And if you've got a yeah animal with different colours, that's a, you've that's got a different kind of fish. Do like all of that, parrot, for instance. Oh those God. parrots I did. Do you remember those parrots? No, I had a blues and greens and yellows and reds. <laughs> and then you've got different tones of those. Absolutely. So each one of those. One of the important, interesting things though there is that you. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of Colin Bradley Artcast. I'm Stephen Bradley. And I'm Colin Bradley. And I'm home. Yes. Isn't that lovely, Steve? <laughs> uh, we, we got you for three whole weeks. You have. Yeah. Yeah, because of Panto season, which is uh, kicking off next week. You're well into rehearsals now with that, aren't you? Yep. Yep. It's pretty exhausting. Yesterday was a long old day. Felt like a long day. Um, but yeah, yeah, got a bit of a break this morning. Give yes. us time to do a podcast. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Squeeze it in this morning before you go off again. Absolutely. Um, we did Mother Goose. And uh, yesterday, i just tell this story real quick. Yesterday we had the goose costume. Oh, great. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, the lady that's, in the, that's playing the goose in the goose costume was trying it on and we had to do into the scenes and stuff. And obviously uh, the goose head and neck is quite tall. Right. And you can see where she can see through the base of the neck. Mm -hmm. So the first thing we had to get used to was not looking at her neck, (laughs) where her face was, and looking at the goose's face. Yes, I see. And uh, she's got a little control to control the the beak. You're not seeing that, listeners, but I'm doing a beak beak action with my hand. And, uh, um, And one thing yesterday had us in tears, like... You know when you're uncontrollably laughing and you're yes. just crying? Yes. We were all crying with laughter yesterday because in the final scene, we're all sitting on a bench and we don't really have anything to say. Like we're, We've been captured and we're on like this bench thing. The guards are holding us down. And um, the goose comes in. Uh, I won't spoil... I don't say spoil don't the spoil story. I no. spoil it for you. But uh, the goose came on stage. <laughs> and the eyes of the goose are weighted. So, like, if they move the head, like, they, the eyes will move, which is great. But the thing is, obviously, before, before she came on stage, one of the eyes had got stuck. <laughs> so, so one eye was open and the other eye was shut. So she came on as the goose sort of wobbling on, but one eye was closed. <laughs> so it looked like he was permanently winking at us. And then as, uh, as she, the goose went through the scene, one of the eyes slipped slightly. So it was like re- three quarters closed and a little bit open. And we were crying because no one knew, like no one was looking at her eyes and couldn't see what we could see. But it looked like the goose was drunk because <laughs> it was wobbling around and had one eye shut. And we were just, we were just crying. Like my nose was running, my eyes were watering. I was literally, we couldn't control it and no one... No one knew why we were laughing until they had to stop the rehearsal and say, why it's so funny? Because then the the girl that's playing the queen, the lady that's playing the queen noticed it as well, who was in the scene like, and had dialogue. Yes. And she can say I suppose lines. if you're looking at the goose in the eye, how could you possibly keep a straight face you or remember your script even? You'd, you'd, um, uh, what, what do they call that when you, you stop? Uh, talking corpsing corpsing that's yeah right. when you just can't stop laughing that's that could happen because 
they, they, they said they might have to put WD-40 on this goose's eye to make, <laughs> to make it more, to make it move within the socket. Oh, because uh, it got stuck and I just got visions of it getting stuck either up or down or oh. to the side. And then if the audience spots that, I mean, we're It's going to be funny, though. The thing is that something like that is going to uh, react in the audience. Yeah. Isn't it? They're all, going to, they're all going to be laughing at you laughing and then it'll be just an hysterical. Um, so sometimes things like that are a good thing yeah. to happen. It, so it could all go horribly wrong, but in the best possible way. Yes. I mean, in a pantomime, you can get away with that sort of thing, Steve. But if it was in a Shakespeare play, you know, uh, you know, the, what's the Midsummer Night's Dream where there's a, don- uh, uh, a donkey's head, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Or ass's head. Anyway, and if something like that happens in that, yeah. that would be a little bit more serious, wouldn't it? You can't really, yeah. I mean, that's kind of... Yeah, that's a comedy anyway, isn't it? But it's not a corpse Not that kind of comedy. comedy. Not panto. Panto, you get away with it, but you wouldn't intend anything like that. No, that's the worst thing if it's, if it's a serious play and you end mm-hmm. up corpsing. Anyway, it sounds like you're having a great deal of fun. Yeah, so that, that was a particular highlight for me yesterday. <laughs> Good, that's got, got it out of the system. Anyway, we're not here to talk about theatre and pantomime, are we? We're here to talk about past pencils and art. That's right, absolutely. Well, mind you, it is Christmas, so we can get away with it. That's true. A bit more, you know. Our Christmas story, <laughs> sort of. folks. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, um, I think, uh, well, I've been very busy again. Uh, it always is leading up to Christmas, you know, with the family and uh, seeing people and the Christmas cards and all the other things that go along with that. So I've been pretty busy. I haven't done, I must say, very much artwork. I've been doing a lot of thinking about it. I've got a few projects lined up and uh, on the chocks ready to go i've even got my pencils out you can see over here steve i've got a whole load of pencils for the next project but i haven't actually started it yet okay and of course we've had a lot of mail as well and posts to get out so we've it's been a busy time yeah uh, but once uh, you know we get our festivities over and uh, we get back into the new year we'll be raring to go again absolutely well this week uh, we've got a uh a couple of questions, but a topic that I wanted to start talking about and give some advice because just on feedback that we've had from the website. So the first question is from Camille and he's got a problem with doing uh, snow on a church roof. So he's doing the Romney Church snow picture from our membership site <laughs> and he's uh, done the, the top of the roof of the church. Like, Is it like the spire type? Yeah. The point. Yeah. Um, and he's doing uh, the snow. Now, uh, he's posted a picture on the community and he's asked this question about doing snow. So what kind of advice can you give, as it's Christmas as well? Yeah, so it's a snow, good, good Christmas, you know, a lot of people Christmas gonna, story. Yeah, a lot of people are going to be doing snow on their pictures. Mm. Um, what's your advice for doing on a roof, snow on a roof? Well, in, in the case of uh, Camille, the picture has been done on white paper. Now, Which you'd think for snow would maybe help it no it wouldn't no uh, but you'd think oh you would think it would wouldn't you in theory yes, yes. In, if you were doing a watercolor that certainly would because in watercolor you just leave you don't put white on you can't put white on white uh that goes with pastel pencil you can't put white on white very successfully but with um watercolor you wouldn't do that so you'd leave it and you wouldn't get the depth that you can get with the pastel pencil because you can't put colours into the white. You've just got to leave it pristine. And all you would do in the shadows, you'd put the blues and the greys and the um, violets, whatever colour you decide, uh, as 
shadows and uh, tones. So if you were using white paper, would you leave it white? I would. Yeah, you wouldn't put it white It would have on. been better to do that, in fact, in this case, rather than put the pastel, pastel on. Okay. The other problem you've got with this is if you overshoot the blue from the sky, because you're putting, you've got to put something against that white uh, spire, haven't you? So, and if you overshoot that and you've got some of the colour on the white paper, especially the dark blues that we've been using and the ochres we've been using for that picture, uh, you've either got... You've either got to rub it out completely, which in a way does start to destroy some of the paper, I've got to say. And then you'd have to leave it then, or you would um, put the white on top of it. Whichever way you do it, it's not going to be very satisfactory, to be honest. The better way of doing it really would be to do it on uh, the ombre paper that we use, the sand colour, which is a stronger, hardest paper and it will resist the erasion more. And then you put the colour on, and then you can erase it, and then you can put the white over the top, and the white would react better. But even then, if you were to rub vigorously, you would still start to take some of the paper off. So there are, there are pitfalls in this situation, and you've got to be... I think in situations like this, where you have, uh, have, have had this or made this error, you should practice it. So if you're, if, say we're using sand coloured paper now, how mm. do you get the snow on a roof or in this church spire? How do you, what's the build-up of colours to get? Uh, oh, you'd start with white. And it'd have to be a strong one too. It'd have to be a white that didn't uh, have any of the influence of the pastel paper coming through. So you'd put it on once and then put it on again and then blend it so that you don't have any. So a, a strong white is a few layers. A Two layers. should do it. Uh, and of course, there's another, how much you're pressing. That's it? right. The other danger there is, Steve, you, you, if you press with the point of the pencil, you're going to crush the paper. So you've got to use the side of the pencil, and uh, even circular movements rather than just one, you know, one way, because circular movements push the colour into the uh, tooth that we have in the paper. Right. That's what I do. And then on top of that, you'd use the greys. I would use the cool greys, which two thirty, two double three a touch of blue that's usually enough if you want to make it a little prettier you can put a little bit of 160 on it uh, which is the violet okay lighter violet something like that can go into it as well but you don't want to put too much color especially in a situation like that uh, so you're using the gray for the shadows the dark is, is that what you're using yes for? for the shadows yes yes so because i'm thinking of general broader now with roofs and things like that mm. um you did that picture where you did snow on a fence that's right didn't you as well that was kind of a similar it's a similar thing but you'd, you'd put the, you put the yes that's right you put the grays as long as you've got the white in the grays would go into the white once you've done that, though, you can't get it. You never get it pristine white again. So if you made a mistake, you'd have to rub that out and start again. So if you put too much grey on, too much grey on. Well, you could because you use a putty rubber. Uh, yeah, we talked about that. It off with the putty rubber. There are ways and means. One of the great things about pastel pencils, you've got you can manipulate them. Where other mediums, you can't do that so much. Mm. So that's what I, in this this instance, that's what uh, he would have done. I suspect, though that some of the colour from the sky has strayed onto that roof 
and he's, he's just put pastel pencil straight on top of it, which wouldn't really work very well because you'd be seeing that colour underneath the pastel. Well, white, there's more risk, isn't there? Because mm. it's so very much transparent. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Well, uh, I hope that's helped Camille and anyone else out there that's that's doing sort of snow this Christmas on their pictures. Yeah. Well, the, the, we've got lots of lots of uh, pictures on the website, snow scenes, haven't we? So yeah, we've yeah. Got to look through those, and uh, I'd, if I was doing a snow scene, I'd look through every one of them. There's about four, I think. Now we've got on. Look at them all and see how it was done. But all of them were done on the sand, uh, sand colour paper. Yeah. Okay. Good. Brilliant. So the next thing is uh, a topic that we want to talk about. I've noticed uh, through feedback from the website that. People are looking up about mixing colours oh, more right. and more. Yeah, yeah. Um, and how they get certain colours and uh, the build-up of, of layers. Because, I mean, that is, that's what pastel pencils is about. That's, what you, that's, what, that's the technique that you use. Mm. Now, when you're mixing colours with other mediums, like watercolour yep. um, and oil and yep. acrylic, yep. you're mixing it pre going on the yes you mix paper. it mix it in a palette or canvas you're doing mm. it before it goes on mm. so you can get your color that you want before mm. now but with pastel pencils the difference is you're doing that but live on the subject that's right you build it up that way yeah yeah in in some ways people would say isn't that a lot harder um, but actually it's a lot easier is it because you have more control oh completely absolutely yeah once you know what you're doing i think most of the and we know that from the pictures we've got coming from the the members, that's stunning work that's being done with the pastel pencil. So we know people are understanding what I'm saying mm. and how it's done. Uh, but yes, you have, with the pastel pencil, you've got a, a complete control. I, I would even go as far as to say, you look at when you're looking at a reference picture and you're saying, oh, you're going to do, uh, say, a dog, um, a golden Labrador dog, and you're looking at the, the, the golden colours. If you were doing it in watercolour, how would you actually guess what colour that would be? I suppose the way to do would mix the colours, mix the ochres and whatever colours you feel are suitable in your palette, and then just try them on the animal. Or, or spare paper first, and think, oh, that'll do. The problem there is you don't get the depth, you've just got one crack at it. Once that dries on the paper, if you put more watercolour on, the danger is then you, you disturb the colour you've put on in the first place. Right. And you get a bit of a mess, Stevie. I actually. bet. <laughs> As I'm sure a lot of people will know that. So once watercolour goes on the paper, you're stuck with it. Now, that doesn't apply to acrylic. With acrylic, you can do the same thing. You can mix up your, your golden colour and you can put it on the animal. Once that, once that dries off, you can then put another colour on top of it because it's, it's dried. The problem is it won't mix with the colour underneath. I see, yeah. Are you with me? It won't react to it. No, It'll go on no, as a because separate it, it's, colour. It, unlike watercolour that would do, acrylic doesn't. So you've got another problem. You've got to get that right. If you don't get that right, you'll do it again. And this is where you start pancaking with acrylic. This is why I don't like it because it dries some acrylics now i believe are slower drying and you probably can manipulate them you can start mixing yes but they do they will dry and that's the idea of them they dry and allow you to overpaint. oil is a completely different kettle of fish with oil you can you've got the best of both worlds really you can mix the color on the inner palette and then apply that 
and you can then put other colours into it. Now, oil takes a lot longer to dry, so you can put colour in, not quite the same as pastel pencil, but you can mix it, mix it better. And eventually it does dry, and then you can add more colour on top, but then you've got the same situation you have with acrylic. Once it's dried off, you then uh, can't mix it, you can't reconstitute it. There probably is a way, but I certainly wouldn't want to try it. So you see, what I'm trying to say to you, all of these other mediums uh, have problems with them. There's drawbacks to doing it. Very much so, yeah. Now, with pastel pencil, there isn't any. I mean, there isn't any. It's such a simple... The only drawback, I suppose, that people would say to me, ah, yeah, but but if it doesn't dry, Colin, it will smudge. Of course it was. But have you ever seen any, any of my work smudged? No because we take that precaution. You have any see any of my members' pictures smudged? No, because they take the precaution. Once you know that's a, a problem, it doesn't occur. The amazing thing is, Steve, in the years I was doing um, my artwork at shows, thousands and thousands and thousands of people would have been standing around watching me. And it was it was left there, and people were you know looking at it and pointing it and so on. And in all that time, I never had any of my work ever smudged. Really, ever? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Now you think so. So smudging, although I've told people it will smudge, and people probably have found that out if they drag their their hand across it. <laughs> um, but even that can be changed. Even that, if you did that, you can you can correct it. You can either use a putty rubber just to take a little bit off, or mm. it's so simple. So let's go back to mixing colours. Mm, yeah, let's get back to that. If <laughs> <laughs> you're going off to a tangent, yeah, but it's important because people, I think, re- what I want, what I'm trying to do is to, is to give people the idea that the pastel pencil is a medium that you can trust. It's so flexible. Mm. And then going on to the colours. So going on to colours now um, and layering colours, let's throw a, a few examples. So let's say if you were doing a brick wall. Right. Um, the, what's, the, what's the process of colours to get to that? Because like we said, you're doing it live on the thing. That's right. Um, what was your mindset to say, okay, I need to get a brick wall? Okay. Well, if you if everybody's seen um, you know the typical brick wall, which is reddish ochreish, unless it's one of those stones that's almost entirely red, with a little bit of um, uh, ochre mortar between them, a lot of the bricks have got various colours in them. They're not just the red; they've got different colours in them. Therefore, with a brick wall, what you do there is you you put a little bit of base colour on. Grey would be an ideal base colour for that, uh, a light grey. I would probably use the something like 270 on. Not completely all over, though. This is a, one of the great things about pastel. You're, you're allowed to, to vary it a little. So you put a little bit of 270, and then you, you'd perhaps put a little bit of 18... Uh, I'm just trying to think of... 183, probably, which is an ochre as an alternative, and you mix that all over. Now, what you're doing is there, you're layering um, a a, a colour tone. But remember that brickwork is textured. It doesn't have to be smooth, so we're not looking at a smooth. Because you're going to ask me in a minute about a smooth, and I'll tell you there's a difference between the two. And then on top of that, you can then add your colours one at a time, maybe a darker opal, maybe a little bit of darker grey, and then you can start pulling a little bit of red in, uh, and all sorts of colours. You could probably put half a dozen colours in that brick wall. Uh, 
Right. You could have an overall tone. If it's red, you could have an overall tone, say, 118 would be a good colour as an overall tone. But if you put 118 directly on the pastel paper, it would look absolutely awful yeah. because you've, you're too raw. It's okay for a pillar box or a post box. Yeah. You know, that you would put the red on raw, but not on, in a brick wall because you've got a much more subtle toning. So the uh, first question, is 270 a cool grey? No, that's a warm grey. That's the warm grey. So you're starting warm warm tones. That's right, we're going in warm colours. And when you say you could put half a dozen colours, you don't mean half a dozen all... No, no. But like dotted in around. What's the kind of technique that you would do to put those colours in? Well, all all you know that whenever you put pastel pencils on, you've got to put base colours on to start with, or cushion colours. The two things are very similar. A cushion colour, I call it cushion colour, because it's a colour that cushions the effect of the stronger colours that go on. Mm. Base colours are the same thing, but you're putting base colours for the same idea of putting colours on top of it right. and creating a depth to your picture, which is what you can't do with the watercolour medium. This is what we're trying to get at. You can get the depth. That's why pastel pencils, when you look at the finished picture, looks three-dimensional, whereas watercolour looks flat. So, this, the half, the a, half a dozen colours... Yeah, well, I'd on. start off. I wouldn't start off with half a dozen colours as a cushion colour. You're looking at the grey, you're looking at the ochre, and looking at the grey. Various tones, so that what you get in overall, you get an overall uh, variety of tones in that. Then you can then be more specific with the stronger colours, like the reds. You can be a bit more specific with that. That can go in more or less evenly all over. But bear in mind, we're, we're looking at a brick wall, so it's going to have individual bricks in it. Mm. So there's the, other, there's the other little snag. But when I do pastel work, as you know, I, especially in brick walls, I try not to do individual bricks all over. I try to give an impression of the individual bricks. Mm. And the other problem you've got with that is that if you try to use the lighter mortar between the two, you're putting light over dark, and that could end up with a little bit of a muddy mess. So I tend to look, I tend to change from the uh, the light mortar to a dark colour. So then the next question I've got is about blending. Right. You blend on pretty much every picture, but not brick walls. Uh, well, I, I would actually blend, if I was doing a brick wall, I would blend before I put the strong colours on. So you'd blend the base, yes, but, cushion but only only a little. There's, um, I wouldn't blend it very much okay. because if you overblend, you're going to get a smooth brick wall, which is, won't work at all. You'll lose the texture of the paper yes, underneath. But you you blend. You, all you're doing when you're blending, when I blend in a situation like this, I'm pushing the colour into the paper and making a little bit more uniform. So when I hit the stronger colours, hit it, it won't hit that uh, raw piece of paper, which would stand like like a sore thumb. I do explain this in all the pictures. We've got some, we've got some uh, brick walls coming up in the next uh, couple of months, so people are going to see how to. I tend to do brick walls. I I don't do brick walls very often. They're usually stone walls, or you know, I, I, I find brick walls. The only one I can remember I did was that uh, rustic cottage. That was a brick wall. And the old barn was a brick wall. So they can go to those two and have a look at those. Yes. Yeah. And see how I built those up. But 
that's how I did it. Mm. It's good to understand like the theory of this mixing colours mm. and starting off with the, the colours and then how you achieve really general tones like the brick wall mm. and like um, a black dog mm. and this and, and see the build-up. So we're going to do some blog posts that are going to show the gradient of colours. Yeah. Because, for example, um, with that brick wall, you would, you know, it would start off with a, a grey and then adding... Okay and then a little bit of a blend on that that's right and then the next color do you know what i mean like in a graphical form mm. like a a graphic to say this mm. is what the colors i think that gen those these generic lessons yes uh and rules of uh, you know not rules but sort of procedures of doing mm. colors mixing colors I'll start off will with help that, if you like steve that's yeah it. because okay. we talked about rig ball i'll start off with that and we'll do a blog uh, in the new year early in the new year, because you get it out quite quick. Mm. And I'll, I'll do that as a start, starting block, and you get an idea, because not only will I do that, but I'll do different textures, because you go into a cat's fur, for instance, there again, you've got a different texture again. Yeah. Uh, you start off there with your, usually if it's a tabby cat, for instance, and you've got whites and ochres, and you've got the dark stripes in it, which is another problem, because when you've got dark stripes in a cat, the tabby cat... What do you do first? You know, people know from watching me that the lighter colours would usually start with white or ivory and then you put the grey on and then the colours would go into that. But they've got to be they've got to be quite light because you've got to keep the contrast between the light and the dark. Yeah, and if you're having a dark stripe, you don't want to put white down as its base. No, because you'd no, you'd never get the white. You'd never, you'd never get, get it dark. dark enough. No, so therefore you'd put grey to start with, or ochre. You could put it if it's a very dark stripe. If it was going to be a represented a black stripe, of course it would never end up black because you're putting colours underneath it. So the black would be uh, watered down basically by the mm. time you get to it. But you start off with a grey or an ochre. Then you, you can't then go, and I'm sure people know this anyway, you can't go directly from ochre to black or from uh, mid-grey mid to black. You've got to, Well, you can go mid-grey to black, but you can't go light-grey to black. Yeah, it's too light. You have to have a, 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 a colour in between. Mid-tone. So basically you've got three colours there if you look at it. You've got the base colour, which is a cushion colour. Then you've got the intermediary colour, which stops the very dark colours from reacting too strongly. And then you've got the strong colour that goes on top. So basically you've got three layers there. I mean, there might be more than three, but I'm just saying there always got to be three. Mm. Um, people said to me in the past, well, why don't, if it's a black stripe, why don't you do black on it? <laughs> it's not as easy as that. It doesn't work like that. Um, black never, ever, ever hits raw paper, ever. Okay. They say, it used to say in the old days, if you put black on, you make a hole in the paper. That applies to uh, watercolour too. You would never put black directly on. You'd mix it with another colour. That's how you'd do that. If you wanted a dark um, green, say, you'd mix a little bit of green, a little bit of black together uh, as a watercolour in your palette. Right. Before you put it on. Okay. So when you're looking at a picture and you're deciding you're going to do a picture, do you sort of say, you, you go through this in your head, you sort of say, um, right, that's a dark colour. I need to start a medium tone there. I need mm. to start a light tone there. Mm. And you sort of because a picture can be um, comprised of many, many, many different oh, gosh, combinations yes. Yes. of starting off with a light tone, and starting yes. off with a medium tone. Yes, it's quite a lot to think about. There is um, definitely, and when you're looking at 
when I'm looking at a picture, I've got years and years and years and years of experience looking at that picture, knowing and recalling past events, past pictures, past similar types that I've dealt with before. So I've got that experience. Now, when you're new to this, it's very difficult to do that because you're looking and thinking, well, I can see it as a black or I can see it as a green. Like the, the one colour, that's what they're looking at, one colour. I look at it as, as a, a watered-down version of that colour. And uh, it's, it's a very, very interesting... I find that as interesting as actually applying the colour mm. so when you, I'm looking at a picture. When you look at one colour on a picture um, that you're going to do you sort of split into three almost almost certainly yes you go. Would do. Mm. so that's uh you know that's an orange that's going to be bomb 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 or you know that kind of thing yes yeah, so if you've got a you you're looking at if you're looking at animals particularly that they're, they're the most difficult because you've got to represent them exactly as as you want them I mean, with a landscape you can get away with things you can get away with changing tones and colors but animals are more difficult to do that with Especially if it's a commission, you know, doing it for somebody, you know, they they say, would you do my ginger cat? And it ends up a black cat or a, a, a white cat or a black with yellow stripe. You know, I mean, you've got to be very precise with that. But even with most people look at when they look at a reference picture of mine and then they look at the original when I do show it on the screen. They can see that it actually ends up very, very similar to, in colouring to that. And that's the great asset you have with the pastel pencil because you can look at, the, look at the picture. I mean, by your elbow there, I won't give it away too much, but this is a new picture which I'm going to be doing. Now, when we look at the picture that in there, look at the different tones in that picture of the animal and you've got to, you've got to see those colours how am I going to treat it? You've got to remember this colour here is the same as that colour there, only darker. Yeah, it's all one. It's, it's pretty much all one colour, but is. a different it's, tone. It's a question of tones. So once you once you establish the actual tone of the animal, or tone of the uh, the particular area you're doing, tabby cats will be different because you've got a, got stripes and you've got the, uh, mm. the the main fur. But if you've got an animal which is generally one colour all over, it is one colour but different tones of that colour. Okay. It's easier, to be honest. That's yeah. going to be easier for me because once I've established this, I've got the rest of it. Yeah, and if you've got a yeah, an animal with different colours, that's a, you've that's got a different colour fish. Do all like of that, parrot, for instance. Oh those God. parrots I did. Do you remember those parrots? Now I had a blues and greens and yellows and reds. <laughs> and then you've got different tones of those. Absolutely. So each one of those. But one of the important, interesting things though there is that you, even though animals are different colours, the there's a harmony within that. So you've got to be careful there too, that you don't use the wrong yellow that goes with the green, that goes with the red. You know, it's all got to They've be They've all got to together. work together, mm. yeah. Otherwise, if you pick the wrong tone... Yes, it's, it, it can be wrong. Yeah. That's why you've got so many in the in the actual range of the pastel pencil, the 60 colours. You've got quite a lot of blues and quite a lot of greens, quite a lot of reds. So you can find the right colour in amongst that. Yeah. You've got to use your eye in the end. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Well, I can see us talking about this more and doing some more um, uh, blogs and things like that. Um, if you've got, it might be a good idea to pose this question to our listeners as well. If there's a particular subject that you want to know the build up of colours uh, mm. or a particular colour that perhaps that you want to achieve, you know, um, that we can do like what we've done today with a red brick wall. Mm. 
then we can use those examples for blogs, um, you know, like doing a black dog, mm. a real generic black. You'd go bum, 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 bum to get mm. to, um, or, you know, tiger stripe or, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm just, oh, these are just off the top of my head. Um, even things like a sky, because mm. I mean, it, this is going to be, it could be a graphic of, mm. you know, this is color, then this color, then this color, then this color. Mm. Um, it might be quite good to sort of for people to have those, you know, even print them out mm. and have them by the side and just write above it sky or brick wall That's and right. just see a layer, uh, the layer of colours mm. that, that start off. Yeah. Just one thing, when you mention that tiger, because tigers are really interesting animals to do. And if you were to look at a tiger and you think, right, I've got, um, I've got a, a, a white and a yellow there and then I've got a black there. So I'm going to put my white and the yellow and my ochre in and then on the black I'm going to put black on. Now, what we do with that situation is we, the, the ochres I've used in the ti- darkening the tiger is the first colour that goes into the black stripe. I see, yeah. And the darkening area, like um, 283 comes to mind, one, uh, double seven comes to mind. These are two colours I've used in tigers. In the fur, the lighter fur, to give the, the shading for that fur, would be the second colour that goes into the black stripe. Okay? Then you put the black on. So what you've got is the harmony between those two colours. Yeah. And if you put white in to start with, which invariably you do if you want to lighten it up, you put white in, which is not a colour, that's a lightening agent, and you end up with a black, which is a darkening agent. Now, neither of those two things are colours, but it's the between, the between the two that's the important thing. So if you use the, you know, the ochre on one and then the ochre on another, mm-hmm. it creates the harmony, Absolutely. even though that's they're right. not. That's they're right. complete opposite ends of the scale. But that's something people might not think about, you see. If they're doing a tiger, they go, oh, I've, I've, done that, I've done that bit of fur. Okay, that's great. I like that. that. That's great. But now I want to do the tiger stripe. And then they think of it completely as a different unit. You've got to link that's them together. That's why sometimes you see this in amateur work. You see a disharmony between the two because they've looked at the two things differently as opposed to one... Um, picture so it's so it's linking the two with the Mm. the color like the ochre it Mm. joins them together yes absolutely good little tip isn't it interesting we could talk about this for a long time but i'm gonna end the episode there oh that's a shame (laughs) i was enjoying myself sorry everyone (laughs) but we'll talk about this perhaps more next week uh you know we have a lot more to talk about uh on this obviously um so keep your questions coming in keep your suggestions for topics to talk about uh, coming in you can get in touch with us going by going to colinbradleyart.co.uk and uh, click on the contact page at the top and get in touch with us great okay good right that's it then yep you got, <laughs> you, you're off to rehearsals yeah and, and i'm off to pick my uh, grandson up later on from school so that's the little job i've got later on I've got one or two things here to do and then i'm off great so. okay good well thanks everyone for listening that's it for this week i'm steve bradley And I'm Colin Bradley. Enjoy Enjoy your week. week.